I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on on the road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson, the Rasmus Christensen playing in central midfield of the podcast, makes as much sense as a polar bear in a desert. I'm joined today by the Rasmus Christensen goal of the podcast, Martin Riley. Wow, look at that polar bear go. And finally, I'm joined by the Luke alien penalty struck of the podcast, a polar bear in his natural environment can still fall through the ice. It's Tom Eamon Hosty Kundal. How are you doing, Eamon? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. Uh, my mum might be quite happy that you've called me Eamon there. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what she always wanted me to be called. No, not too bad. Had a had a nice chill weekend apart from the defeat. But obviously, as we're recording on the Sunday, a certain team across the Pennines have just lost. So that's been a bit of a smiley moment as well. Yeah, I just I watched that um, Newcastle scrum game this afternoon and I, thought, I was very impressed with Newcastle. It's probably the best I've seen them play all season. Um, but we're not here to talk about Newcastle. Ma- Martin, how are you? What, what are you doing with your weekend? And more importantly, what have you had for tea? Well, I've just finished my tea. Um, I've just had chicken in white sauce um, with mashed potato, green beans and peas. It was a very nice tea. It's one of the staples that I, I have every week um, and it always just hits the spot. And other than that, this weekend, I've been, been looking after my kids and watched the Leeds match. And that's about it, unless you count the ridiculous amount of PC gaming I do on a weekend. Yeah, I've, for my tea, I just had the cur- uh, leftover curry that I didn't eat for my tea last night from the from the takeaway. So I've had curry twice this weekend. But still, it was very very enjoyable all the same. And I went to Spoons and had gammon and egg and chips. Actually sounds banging to yeah. be fair. <laughs> so yeah. Good good food all around. Just yeah. Can't can't none of us can complain. Right. Um I will start with the game summary, as always. So we're here to review and I'm gonna say the score in the way that John hates just because now how much it annoys him. Arsenal four, one Leeds United. So Leeds started the game in a four 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 three three shape with some interesting choices by Gracia, including, as we mentioned to earlier, Christensen playing in central midfield and no strikers present in the starting eleven. Arsenal went with their usual shape and slightly tweaked lineup due to some injuries, 
And I also saw the majority of the ball in the first half with Leeds sitting off, allowing them the ball, but making it difficult for them to create any good chances and being limited to only half chances. Um, Leeds looked to hit them on the counter, using Summerville for his ball carrying, and created a few half chances. However, the deadlock was broken in the 34th minute when Jesus weaved into the box, leaving Rasmus and Ailing on the ground with the latter sticking a foot out and handing Arsenal a penalty, which Jesus himself put away. Leeds went into the second half, disappointed to be behind. However, the second half was a different affair altogether. The host quickly struck a few minutes into the second half, with Ben White converting a driven cross from Martinelli into the back of the net, ghosting at the back post with Harrison unable to track him, making the score 2-0. Ten minutes later, Jesus combined with Trossard, putting away a cutback from just outside the six-yard box, making it 3-0. Leeds attempted to get back into the game when Rutter came onto the pitch, thanks to him carrying the ball and some combination with Harrison, we saw a deflected shot from Christensen find its way into the net from outside the box. Leeds attempted to get forward but struggled to create any more chances before the game was totally put to bed, thanks to a delightful cross from Trossard, which Xhaka headed past Melier. That also on good guys, anything else that we've missed in the summary there? All sounds good to me. Good yeah, stuff. Not, nothing from me. Yeah, good stuff then. Um, in which case, I will move on to the interrogation. So this is the interrogation where um, I ask the the guys just a couple of um, a few questions, just so we can get into the um, nitty gritty of the match and uh, work out what happened and why it did. So the first question, um, Gracia said in his post match interview, we tried to be compact, tried to protect the middle, tried to defend in a mid, sometimes low block. This plan seemed to be working in the first half, but what changed in the second half, Martin? To be honest, I don't think too much really changed in the second half. I think possibly just the start, start of the half, Arsenal were just a bit more aggressive in the way they were, they were attacking, and they got an early goal, and which really set the game state against us, and it just meant that we were always struggling, because if we got further forwards, Arsenal would exploit the space we left behind very easily. I think we were still trying to do the same thing that we were doing in the first half. We were trying to, to make it compact, trying to leave the space so it's hard for them to work it but I think Arsenal maybe went a little bit wider in, in their play they seem to try to want to get some crosses into the box quite quite frequently since the space in the middle was being congested by the way we were, we were sitting in our press so I don't think a massive amount changed other than like I said the early goal just game stating us so it just made it more difficult for us to score and Arsenal just easier to get another one as well I'm not sure what, what you think, Tom, if anything else I missed. Um, I think they just, really early on, especially they got Zinchenko on the ball a bit more, and Trossard started to come a little bit deep, and it just meant Christensen and Harrison didn't fully concentrate in their defensive duties a lot of the time. So there were moments in the second half where Aylin and Christensen were doubling up on the outside as if it were two right-backs, and that was maybe Christensen falling into default from being in central midfield, but that was basically all. The only difference I could see, I agree otherwise, it was just Arsenal trying to exploit wider as well. Yeah, to me, it was just it was mainly just game-state reasons, which we've gone through a lot of times in a lot of different games on, on this podcast. Um, I think... Before, I think before, before their goal, we were, as we've mentioned in the summary, we looked pretty good, and then it's always going to be difficult, especially at a team like Arsenal. What uh, the, the once the game state goes in their favour, it's just it's not necessarily they have to change much. It's just like probably leads change having to sort of go a bit more. Make, will make the difference, but yeah, I agree, agree um, mostly with what you, what you guys are saying. Okay, so second question: um, out of possession, we had a central midfield trio of Harrison, Rocket, and Christensen. Tom, why do you think Gracia picked this lineup? Um, I think it was purely, as we mentioned, that was out of possession. I think the whole choice was out of possession. 
Christensen and Harrison were tasked with man marking and following anyone who came into the half space area in between the fullbacks and the centre backs. So that was usually Christensen picking up Xhaka, Harrison sticking on Erdegaard, and I should have said Erdegaard there for uh, if we're referencing John for this podcast. Um, and so at points it kind of looked like we were falling into a back five or back six. Um, but what you would notice is that Christensen was full. It happened mainly with Christensen. Oh, I spotted that he was focused on Xhaka staying kind of five yards away from him and hoping that he'd entice a pass to Xhaka, which he would then be able to nip in and pressure on Xhaka there. And I felt like that was the whole reasoning. Um, I know we've got a slight follow-up question. And like we've said, it worked for the first 30. And then we'd seen 10 minutes in when Christensen didn't stick to Xhaka. He got a ball in and Jesus probably should have scored that header, which he put over. Um, That was really early on. So the warning signs were there. Um, yeah, my my big issue with it was that we stuck with that post 1-0 and post 2-0 as well for maybe a bit too long. I think from there, like you said, the players were trying to do something different due to the game state, but those players were not the players on that pitch to do that, in my opinion. Yeah. Did, did, would you say in the, that case then that it, it worked, well, it didn't work with Christensen playing that role, but like, I don't know what you guys think maybe on, did Harrison do that role okay in general? Yeah, I felt Phil Harrison actually did reasonably well, um, especially out of possession. He was sticking quite close to Erdogan, um and just made it difficult for them in the first half. And I think another reason why he wanted to choose Harrison and Christensen was because I think he wanted to focus on um, when, when, when we did have the ball, being able to progress it quickly down down the flanks. And considering both Harrison and Christensen are more naturally wide players, you'd see quite quite often both of them moving to, to the wide areas when we did get the ball. Rocker would sit quite deep, um, deeper than the other two, and he'd be sort of the, the connection between defence and midfield. And those two would sort of move towards the flanks. I saw a lot, especially Harrison down the flank. He was getting alongside um, um, what was it, Somerville on that flank. I think it was Somerville, yeah. And I think that's that's what the plan was to try to get as many bodies on on, on the flanks as I could to try to quickly get it up to to the attackers. And I think that's why he he chose the un- unusual choices in midfield. We'll say. Is that then uh, the case, Martin? Why you think the um, Gracia didn't go for Gray and Giabi in this one? Yeah, I think that, I think that's part of the reason. I also think it's maybe he just wanted to rely on seniority. I think that's probably the main reason, and it's probably a bit of a big game to throw in Grey or Giabi, I think. But and also we've got a few games coming up as well, so it's possible that he was wanting to retain one of them for that game, especially since the opposition we've got coming up are aren't quite as tough as Arsenal away. <laughs> so we've got two home games coming up. So I'm hoping that we see one of those two given some minutes from the start, it would be good. Especially if we don't know what the fitness is like of um, McKenney. So it's I'm sure whether he's fit and recovered. I'm not sure. Was it like a flu or cold day or something like that, I think? I'm not too sure. Too I th- I yeah, I think, I think I saw that he'd uh, been reported with a virus near the end of the uh, international break or something like that. Yeah, so I think, fingers crossed that's only a shot. Um, virus a few days, but if it is longer, then I think we could well see probably Archie Gray. I think he may be just slightly ahead of uh, JB in the um, lineup to, to get a start, but we'll see how how it goes. What do, what do you think, um, Talda? Um, I don't, I'm unsure to be honest. Like I think for me, it was more the ex- obviously they're more experienced players in a way at uh, the best team in the league, so it's a bit of a deep end to throw either of those two young players in. 
Um, and kind of, I hadn't actually thought about it until one of you guys say about the sort of the moving out wide. And I think those are areas that, whilst whilst um, Gray and Jabby are like more orthodox central midfielders compared to the other two, they don't work in those areas as well as I'd say Christensen and Harrison do off the ball. Um, so if it's more like off ball stuff, it's I can see that's why why Gracia went for it, but. Um, I would say something I'd hope is like an Arsenal specific thing rather than something we'll see going forward. But um, Tom, have you got anything else you want to add on this? Yeah, I, I just felt, uh, and when you mentioned it, mine, like I thought instantly about how many times I thought, oh, Harrison's drifting out wide a bit too much here, but maybe that was part of the plan. Um, I didn't notice it much with Christensen. But yeah, I thought it was more just a seniority thing, not wanting to put the onus on two kids essentially against um, big opposition. But we also know that sometimes that's like that fight or flight sort of thing for a, a player making the debut, right? Um, they were the best team in the league when Wayne Rooney made his debut for Everton. So, and then we all know how that panned out. Yeah. Okay. Um, good stuff. In which case, next question. Um, what was Gracia trying to do with naming no centre forward? Did we ever stand a chance without someone to lead the line and offer us in that outlet? Uh, Tom, do you want to go on this one? I think, again, it this one was more that that front three were very counter-attack-esque so if we were holding position and expecting Arsenal to have a lot of the ball we could get the ball out quick and we saw that happen a few times with Somerville um, and he he had a really good game and I wonder if we would have seen something different if we had different midfielders as well Um, again we've got two important games and we've got two strikers that have been struggling with injuries so that probably also played into that so I thought maybe with I was thinking that with the injuries that we have in midfield the recent injuries we've had up front the two important games that we've got, okay, what he's done is he's gone quite defensive and gone with an, a, a counter-attacking front three. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, just because we had the ball wasn't held up well well enough. Somerville can do it actually quite well, but he does it like when he's on the move and he holds up his speed of his runs on the ball. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I felt the reason was, but we, we could have done with an outlet. Yeah. What about you, Martin? What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's, I think it was an, uh, an interesting choice by Gracia to not um, pick any centre-forward. Um, I would like to say that it was more tactical, but I do think it is more just due to personnel and that he felt more comfortable risking Sinistera um, than risking, risking either Rodrigo or Bamford because if either of those two would have got an injury and missed both of these two next games coming up, that could well have been massive to the way, the way how we're done can do and I felt like it felt like it was worth more of a risk to wait. Tough, sorry, not worth the risk to put them in for this game in my opinion. But also like um, Fossey said there, it's interesting that the forwards are with quite a counter-attacking team with lots of pace so I think that's uh, that could be one way of looking at it was to try to get players on the ball who are all capable of carrying the ball at pace because all three of those attackers are able to do that and I think he picked Sinister in the middle because I think he is quite reliable in possession so I think that that's maybe what he was hoping to rather than having uh, a frame like Bamford up there to hold onto the ball have someone who is able to pick up the ball and move backwards with it to try to release it back that way rather than having someone who can hold it up in the traditional nine sense and then you had Somerville who was just absolutely electric he was great and that worked to a degree um but yeah i think that's the main reason why well, it's a combination of tactical and not wanting to risk personnel so with all all the stuff we've, had, we've discussed then uh with that in mind with like uh christensen playing midfield no striker um what what would you guys make of Gracia's tactics overall for this one then would you say it was a sort of a good idea that we once the penalty went in 
was didn't work out anymore, or um, would you be more negative than that? Personally, I'd I'm, I was relatively happy with the way he approached the game. Um, I felt it was probably the thing which gave us the most chance of coming at, coming away with anything, um, and the way we did limit them, and especially in the first thirty minutes, was very good. Um, I wasn't thinking that was going to get thirty minutes into the game without them at least creating a couple of good open play chances, but there wasn't any. There was no good chances created in that f- first opening thirty minutes. I think the best was a, like a half chance, and the, the one which uh, Jesus had that header, which um, Tom mentioned earlier, that was your, I think that was the best chance I had before the penalty. So I, f- I felt in that sense it was good, uh, but then just as the game went on, the penalty really hit us quite hard. I think. And then when the early hook, early goal happened in the second half, that was it. There's not much else you, your tactics can do at that at that point when you're two 0 down against the best team in the league. If you try to go further forward, they'll annihilate you. <laughs> and they still did, did that anyway. So, <laughs> Tom, what about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm of the same. It was it was working well until you one 0 down, and then it's a tough it's uh, it's a tough tactic to persist with at one 0 down. Um, I guess his thinking behind it was. We're 1-0 down two to a penalty, which meant that we were still resisting them, holding them out in a sense. And if the game plan was we were going to nick a goal to win, maybe this time we'd nick a goal to draw. And that was out of the window on 46 minutes and we still didn't see a change until 60, right? So that that was the big thing for me, um, that as soon as that second goal went in, it should have changed. So I, I was thinking it wasn't wrong, but not changing it sooner was what was wrong for me. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I guess as well, the... Sort of what you guys said about resting players for the games we've got against Forest on Tuesday and Palace next week. We'll probably be able to answer the question about that sort of stuff next week, really, won't we? Um, but yeah, realistically, resting players away at Arsenal makes sense because it's a very unlikely thing for us to go there and get any points at all. So, yeah. Um, next question then. So, um, Rutter was playing as a left winger when he came on. Did you guys like him in this position? And do you think this is where we might see him in the future? Tom, do you want to start us on this one? Yeah, I, I liked him when he came on. Um, do I think that's where I want to see him in the future? I'm not sure. Mainly because of the other options that we have. So I'd be happy with him there if we didn't have players like Nyonto, Sinistera and Somerville, who obviously he played there mainly on Saturday. Um, obviously, Nyonto's injured at the moment. And I think from what I've seen of Rutter in clips of him at Hoffenheim, he mainly came in off the right as well. So he's very both-footed, so he doesn't need to do... It's not an issue. He will do that on both sides, coming in from the left or coming in from the right, and still be strong on either foot. But I'd also caveat with his performance, was it that it was 3-0? So would we be as big on his performance if it was 0-0 and he was asked to do more of the defensive work? I'm not sure that's why he's getting in the team. I think he... uh, Yeah, I think that's why he's not getting in the team at the moment behind Aronson I'm probably going to say because I think Aronson has a bit more defensive work whereas Rutter's upside is the dribbling and we saw that at 3-0 with the goal right and we saw it quite a few times it was some lovely stuff where he was tight to the sideline and he managed to get past his man and progress the ball upfield through dribbling and it was really good and he's quite clearly exciting and I think obviously we need to stay up because at 40 million you need that sort of player to stay up and shine with that Ideally, you'd want to see it now. But yeah, overall, I I liked him there. The bit which I didn't like personally was when Rodrigo came on and he was occupying the right midfield role because he just looked lost. But that's a different, <laughs> that's a totally different matter. Martin, what do you make of this? Because um, you you um, 
were sort of quite positive about Rutter last week in our podcast about uh, the stuff. Not you just watched um, for Leeds this year, but in the past. So what did you make of Rutter? He was very good. Um, as soon as he came on, he was lucky. He had one thing in mind every time he got the ball, and that was dribbling past his man. And most of the time he did get that good and did what he needed to do. And it was especially nice third away. I think it was Jorginho who he... Just totally turned. I know Jorginho is not the most mobile of, of midfielders, but um, that was still especially nice. I did I do a little happy face when when that happened. It cheered me up. And generally about, about Rutter's future, um, I would be happy to see him playing as a winger. He's got all the capabilities to shine in either left midfield or right midfield. Um, and or as a as part of a front two where he is going to naturally move towards the wider, wider areas anyway. So I think that is something which I would like to see in the future, and I think that's probably where we will end up seeing him more. I think that's what um, Grazia said in a press conference a few weeks back was um, where he saw his position that it was more of a second striker or a wide wide player. So I think that's where we will most likely see him. Um, we'll we'll be able to see in the future whether he does adapt to be, being able to be a lone number nine, or if he will just be one who will be like we have plenty of, not quite a striker, but more of a winger. <laughs> we we love getting those those profiles. But we'll see how it goes in the future because I still think he has got potential to be able to be a nine. Right. Next question. So Adam, who uh, we pro- does still exist, he will be on a podcast soon. We promise. Um. Adam wanted us to discuss some positives we could take away from today's game. So, um, Tom, do you want to kick us off on this one? Yeah, so uh, I think one of the positives, as previously mentioned by me and mine, and Tom, I'm sure you agree with us, was Summerfield's performance. Um, you know, the ball seemed to stick to his feet on Saturday and he created space for other players. There was the little passing for Harrison for his chance. The pass and play that he was having with Rocker, there was clearly some bit of work there and then that kind of brings on to who I also thought played really well, which was Rocker. Um, I thought he had a very good game. In, in On his own, he was kind of like a single pivot that was in front and behind Christensen and Harrison, depending on where play was. Um, but yeah, and I, I thought he did really well at picking the ball up, keeping shielding the ball and winning some free kicks, which was nice to see. And then, as I said, that link-up play with Somerville, what probably will go unnoticed is the fact of the way that he turned by turning his back to Somerville in that motion, he has distracted the defence in thinking that he's going back inside, but he knows exactly where Somerville is. And so that's a, a wonderful bit of play, really, which probably just looks like someone turning and passing to someone in the naked eye sometimes. Martin, have you Don't got... if there's anything that Martin's got, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, Martin, yeah, any, any positives? Do you want to have a build on those or any different ones of your own? I'd agree with both of what um, Tom said there. The um, on Rocker and both Somerville, they were both two of the best players on the pitch. They were both uh, fantastic. Rocker especially, I liked um, what he was doing out of possession, where he was shielding the back four was just re- really good. He uh, he got a few interceptions in there, which was it's good to see. He's been criticised for his off the ball work, and I felt he did did a very good job against some tough opponents. Um, he did have a lot of help around him. We kept things compact, and we had teammates all around. So when he when we did get the ball, he did was able to like like Tom said, shield the ball and either pass it on or win the free kick. And I just felt like he, he did a really good job of that, and it's great to see. Um, I also felt that uh, Furpo had a, had a decent game. Um, I felt he had a 
pretty tough opponent on that side in, in, in Trossard. Um, I know Trossard was sort of drifting in quite a few different areas, but I, I felt that he did, especially in the, in the in the opening half an hour, he, he did very well. Then obviously as the, as the game went on and the game state got worse, it just degenerated. Um, but yeah, I felt like he, he did well. He had the most um, tackles and interceptions combined with five, um, which is always good, always good to see that he's putting in the defensive work. And he wasn't actually did a dribble pass once, which is also very good because some tricky opponents for him. But yeah, that's my addition to it is Mr. Furpo. Lovely stuff. Um, I've added one final question here at the end of the interrogation, uh, just because our Arsenal in general is probably an outlier game for us and probably even more so away from home. So um, Martin, I'll come to you on this first. Is there anything we can actually take from this game going forward for the rest of the season? I wouldn't say so. No, I don't think it's something a game which we'll look back and say, "Oh, we'll we'll see more of this in the future." Because I really don't know, don't want to see Rasmus Christensen starting in midfield too often, as much as he may have played there as a seventeen, eighteen year old. Um, that will will knock that on its head, please. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. One thing you can say is that um, Grassi is bringing up new and different tactical ideas for specific opponents again. It's something which we've seen quite often now that is tries to adapt to each opponent rather than keeping the same thing for each each one just same the same with some slight tweaks here and there. So that's probably the main thing I would take out of this game is that um, Gracia has continued to show that he is able to change things up and at least try to get something out of the game. What about you, Tom? Um, yeah, I think the only. Bit, and this is referring to something which we discussed a couple of pods ago, Martin. It might have been the one which was just me and you. And that was, what do we want to see from Grazia coming forward uh, and within the squad? And we said regarding build-up play. I think we've seen a bit, even though it wasn't as wasn't as successful, but with having the international break, we saw the attempts of some more build-up play out wide. Um, again, that combination of Somerville and Rocker. Rocker being able to turn his back like that, I know exactly that Summers Bill's making that run is something which will have been worked on, I'm hoping. Uh, it, I don't think you can have something like that as off the cuff because Rocker does not look to make that pass whatsoever. Um, and obviously that only happened once and that's my, I'm hoping that's just because we were against Arsenal and they were that good. So I'm hoping going forward that sort of combinations can happen more against the likes of Forest and Palace next week. Yeah, I'm glad you've both found something to take from that game because it otherwise it would have just been the case of we've just spent half an hour talking about an Arsenal ta- game tactically for no reason but there is something to take <laughs> forward so that is good um, I will wrap up the interrogation there and we can move on to the preview of the Nottingham Forest game on Tuesday Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, um, let's start with you, Martin. So, how do Forest play under Steve Cooper? Uh, well, they've mainly used a four-two-three-one structure in recent games, but they have used a four-three-three earlier in the season. Um, out of possession, they don't always commit to a concerted high press when the opponent has the ball in, in, in build-up, but they do have individuals pressing. Um, centre-forward will press centre-backs and they'll press to wide areas with the wingers, um, pretty standard in that way. However, they do quite frequently seem to pack bodies towards wide areas, especially especially when they initiate long goal kicks which can cause them to leave space on the opposite flank, uh, similar to problems that we had under Marsh, Marsh, actually. I'm not sure if that's something new, which Cooper's trying to try to win the ball higher up, up the pitch, but honestly, sometimes I watched the game against uh, Newcastle, and some of the time when they was hitting their own long kicks, they had like maybe seven or eight players all in on one flank to where the goal kick was targeted towards, trying to obviously win the second ball. And they'd also do something similar when, say, they, they had possession of the ball, they got it up into the wide areas. They do tend to quite to have their central players supporting in wide areas. So then when they do lose the ball, they can try to quickly surround the ball. So it can sometimes look like a, a more of a concerted high press rather than just a few individuals pressing. So that, I think it is just more of a recent thing because over the course of the season, they have had the second lowest passes per defensive action um, in the league. Um, so it just show that most of the season they have been a pretty non-pressy side, but maybe the, uh, Cooper's been trying out something new with them um, falling down the table a bit. So it will be interesting to see what they do against us because, yeah, <laughs> I think we could do quite quite well um, with that if they do try to press us. Um, in possession, they do look to get the balls to the wide players quite quickly, where with long diagonal passes, wingers and fullbacks are used in progressing the ball with carries and longer passes from central areas, from the central midfielders and centre backs. You'll sometimes find um, one of these central midfielders dropping a little, a little bit deeper. Um, usually it's been John Joe Shelby, and he's got a relatively good long pass on him, so he'll look to pass from deep to try to find their wingers. Um, I think on the, on the right they've got uh, Brendan Johnson, who is a very very dangerous transitional player. So I think that they do try to hit him quite often. Same on the other side with um, Emmanuel Dennis, and then they've also got in in the centre um, Gibbs White. So they've got quite a few talented players that we have to be, be wary of to stop and make sure that we've got someone and a decent ref defence set set up. We're not committing too many too many men forward. Um, but yeah, in general, they're a pretty direct side and use a lot of long balls. So I think if if we do press them, they'll probably will just go along. Um, with that in mind, Tom, how do you expect them to approach this game against Leeds? Yeah, um, they they love wing play. I looked at their stats for passing, and they're in like the bottom three for every sort of pass that you can do of the numbers that they attempt. Um, which I, I was like, even in long passing. So I think a lot of it does come from Johnson and Morgan Gibbs White trying to run with the ball as well. Um, but what I noticed is they seem to quite rely on set pieces. So Because Morgan gives white delivery is very, very good. So the, the, the key thing is not to try and give the ball away. What I saw quite a bit of was they'd play the ball into the back post with Gibbs-White's delivery and the ball would get headed back down to the central areas and they've got someone ready and waiting to attack the ball from there. Um, they do have issues with breaking 
a defence down the middle. Like we said, they tried to go wide. So if they do find themselves stuck in the middle, they'll, what they will, they've got the players who will take a shot and are confident to shoot from distance. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably what we're going to see. We're going to see them trying to get down the wings and attack at Alien and Firpo. And that'll be interesting. Firpo's been the better defensive fullback for us, whereas Alien probably hasn't. But Johnson obviously prefers the right-hand side. So it'll be interesting to see if Forrest maybe try and switch that up to get their best attacking player on our worst fullback at the moment. Um, so I'm just so I, I spent my Sunday afternoon digging up stats on Nottingham Forest because I've got nothing better to do. Um, so there's a big pretty, I think it's been mentioned a lot sort of when you watch it on TV that for, the Forest are pretty different home and away. So I thought I'd just look into the stats a bit and just see if that difference actually exists. So I'll just I'll run through um some stats I found. So I've just averaged these out as per game. So Nottingham Forest at home average one point two seven goals per game. Away from home, they average 0.31. And that that's kind of reflected the XG as well. So it's, they average 1.19 XG at home and 0.9 away. In terms of goals conceded, they average 1.2 conceded at home and 2.46 away from home. So a massive difference. And again, that's kind of reflected in the expected goals conceded with uh, 1.4 at home and 1.82 away. And with all that in mind, they've got 1.4 points per game at home and just 0.46 away. So... There is a difference between the way Forest either pl- they either approach the game away from home compared to at home, or it's just one of those intangibles that we don't discuss here because we don't know how to deal with them. Um, so, what, did you guys make anything of these numbers, or the, like, do you think it's an approach thing, or just or what? What do you? What about you, Martin? What do you think? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. This, like I think it is probably going to fall more down to um, the good old intangibles. Uh, they do have quite good home support, so that will give them some extra morale boost when they are at home. So I think it is probably just as simple as that, and so they probably will. I watched one home game, one away game, and I didn't notice a massive difference um, in the in the way they approached both the games. Maybe they were a little bit more direct um, away from home and sat a little bit deeper um, rather than, than trying to press, but. Yeah, I think that we should be able to. We should be winning this game comfortably, and if we don't, we <laughs> we can start bedwetting. Um, to put it lightly, for the rest of the people in the disc who bedwet at the slightest thing. Tom, what about you? Do you what do you make of that? I I wonder if it's more the fact that because they're not changing the way they're setting up home and away, like you just said, they're Martin, as you've you've witnessed um they it's the opposition so it's when a team is away from home so when Forrester at home they sit back more often uh away teams sometimes sit back more often so then when they come up against an opposition at home who try and go for a win at home they aren't as it's just because it's the same system it garners different results on different territories due to the opposition and how they're approaching it rather than the way that they're approaching it yeah i've got um leaders numbers for context here as well um, so I'll run through the same one. So Leeds at home average 1.38 goals per game, away 1.2 per game. XG is actually the same home and away, um, so it's 1.25 for both. Uh, Leeds average 1.38 goals conceded at home compared to two a game away. And XGC reflects this as well, so 1.5 at home compared to 1.74 away. And those numbers, again, reflecting the points, so 1.31 points at home for Leeds, 0.6 away. So Leeds... Not as much of a difference as Forest, but better at home. So Leeds like playing at home. Forest don't like playing away. So 1-0 Nottingham Forest on Tuesday. That's it, podcast done. Yeah, done. Yeah, so 
we're going to scrap the last of the preview. Thank you for listening. Now. Um, so let's let's move on to talking about leads now. So what do we expect the structure and lineup to look like, Tom? Um, I don't expect it to look like it looked on Saturday. That's for definite. Um, I'm expecting to go back to the four two three one or four two 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 sort of thing or four four two hybrids mix that Grazzi's kind of been playing. Um, I think from the game that I watched of Forest and if they play Renan Lodi, we could have some joy with some of the law Sinistera again up against him. Um, they were their goal, Bournemouth's uh, goal came simply just from a knock past him and beating for pace, and I think that them two can do that. I'm expecting Rocker and McKenny probably if McKenny's fit to be in that too with as I said Somerville or Sinistera on the right probably Somerville if we're looking at holding Sinistera's minutes and then I'm kind of hoping for Rodrigo and Bamford to start in this game and probably Harrison will be on the left because I think he likes his I think he likes Harrison for the defensive work he does and if you've got Somerville and Rodrigo you probably need Harrison to bring that defensive side of things. Martin, would you mostly agree with that? Yeah, mostly. I'd, uh, I think the uh, m- main change, obviously, what we will see um, Rasmus in central midfield looking like a polar bear. Um, we, uh, well, I think there's potential that Ailing may come out of the side on uh, for this game, and to have Christensen at right back. Um, the main reason why I say that is because we've got another game coming up at the weekend, at next weekend. So I think he'll maybe want to use. Well, one for, for one game, one one for the other, and especially because I think since we're playing Palace and um, Ailing and Zaha have quite a bit of a fun history, and they, they often do quite wind each other up a lot. And I think Ailing generally does pretty well against Zaha, so I, I think that we may see that if um, Ailing mentions to Grazzi that I, I really want to play against <laughs> Zaha, so maybe we'll see that. Um, but. I think that's mainly, I think, what Tom said there was pretty spot on. I would like to see um, Bamford and Rodrigo start. Um, but I would also be happy with um, Ruta. Um, if, if he got given a start, I do think that he is also very capable of, as Bielsa would like to say, in balancing um, his opponents. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I would like to see that as well. But the wide players... I think it probably will be Somerville who who starts. Probably Sinistera will be given a miss since he's just had 60 minutes and it'll be um, Harrison who plays there. But possible Aronson gets him for either one of the strikers though as I think it seems that Gratchy does like Aronson for what he offers out of possession. Yeah, I would um, I'd also like to see Rodrigo and Bamford. I think we've all been teased with it a bit over the recent weeks and I think now this game probably out of the ones coming up makes no sense for it. Um, the one thing I will say, and we did touch a lot on this last week, so we're not going to talk about it again, but I think if we did go for Christensen, we would miss Aileen in possession stuff, but we discussed that last week, so go and listen to the podcast last week if you want to figure out why. Um, we didn't talk about, we're not going to talk about that anymore. So uh, we'll move on to the tactical issues now. So Tom, where do you think we can hurt Forrest? Yeah, weirdly is I think that they can hurt us on the wings with Johnson and Gibbs White moving out there. I think that that's where we can hurt them as well. I think that Sinistera, uh, well, sorry, Somerville and Harrison could have some joy against their fullbacks. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of what I think will be the difference. It'll just be literally both teams' wingers against the fullbacks. Neither of us have much creativity through the middle, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think that's where where it's going to be for me. By you, Martin. 
yeah, pretty much the same. <laughs> um, it's just it's um, going to be a very transitional game, I feel, um, uh, with um, both teams. Well, I, I say that, though, but I do think that we will probably possess the ball more, a lot more. Um, so I think we should hopefully be wanting to to actually create some chances rather than just looking to attack into space. But obviously, there will be we will still attack into space when we have the opportunity. But I am hoping to see some more things in in build up from from us. Uh, just to see something against an opponent who is more along the level of what we are. So we should be able to look good on the ball. And if we don't look good on the ball, then it's pretty worrying for Grazia, really. So, yeah, not too much different to say to what Tom said, really. And how do you see this game playing out, Martin? I'd imagine, like I said, said uh, just then, that we'll keep hold of the ball a lot. Um Forest will look to press in certain areas, especially in wide areas. Um, it'll probably stay like that for a while. They'll sit deep and try to stop us from creating chances. But I do think that we hopefully should score within the within the opening thirty minutes, and then I'm hoping that would will draw them out a little bit more, try to attack us, and hopefully it'll end in a nice, comfortable score. Tom, what about you? Yeah, that and um, that and keeping Morgan Gibbs quite. Morgan Gibbs quite quiet. Morgan yeah. Gibbs quite quiet. <laughs> um, if we can keep him quiet and keep that free kick in dangerous areas count low, then yeah, we'll uh, we'll be okay. I think in that sense. And um, where do you think this game be won or lost? You you hinted in a previous answer that you said on the wings, but is there anything else that you might want to add to that? Yeah, the, like I said, the wings and uh, I've I've jumped ahead. I've got lost in in the questions. It's been a long day, um, but yeah, no the the wings and set pieces against. I've not really seen much of how Forest defend set pieces, but the way that they attack, they clearly try and work some set piece plays in a sense. In that, I know that Martin calls it his American football sense of set pieces, um, but yeah, I think that that's where Forest will try to win us, and so if we can reduce that risk and reduce them on the wings, and like I said. It's going to be a battle of the wingers and fullbacks, I think, at the weekend. Was yeah, their on goal Tuesday. on Tuesday? Yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> was their goal at the their ground against us? Was that a set piece, or have I made that up? I'm not it sure. It might have been. It might have been one which was cleared and then volleyed in. Yeah, that rings. But I was actually there at that game, and <laughs> but I'd also had a lot of beer, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was. But... I think it was one. Of, I think it was a bad clearance or a non-clearance that filtered through to Johnson, who volleyed it. Yeah, that that rings a bell. So it was. I remember. Yeah, I think it was. Right, uh, Martin. Finally, where do you think this game will be won or lost? Uh, just like Tom said, there. I think the um, whoever, whichever team, teams wingers have the better day, will most likely come out on top. And also, if um, we are actually able to able to look good on the ball, I think if we, I think that's probably going to be our deciding as the wingers. If we are actually able to possess the ball well and create good chances, because that is a big thing for me that we need to look good on the ball against a team like Forest who are in a similar position to us. We have to be able to look good on the ball and it'll be worrying if not. Lovely stuff. So we will hopefully be back on Thursday, hoping to get at least two people together to review the Forest game and preview the Palace game next Saturday. But until then, I will say thank you to Tom. Thank you very much. Thank you to Martin. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening, and I hope you enjoy the game on Tuesday. Bye.